Hello, viewers. I could not be more excited to be back with you for the seventh episode of Harry's Take. Today, we have a spectacular interview lined up with Lauren Fishman of Lauren Fishman Events. Don't be taken aback by the name of her company because Lauren has worked in a variety of entertainment areas, including with some of the biggest television networks such as NBC and ESPN. Lauren, thank you for being with me. Hi, Harry. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Um, to get started, uh, I would love to hear a quick overview of how you got started in this field. I went to Newhouse School of Communications and majored in broadcasting and journalism and went quickly after graduation. Two months later, we ended up at NBC. And I started out just as I went to NBC, Saturday Night Live was starting. So I was in a live production associate and expert for that show for a few years and um, honed all my production skills you can imagine. In li and live television is amazing. And then I was tapped to go that NBC was starting an event department for live events in conjunction with the Olympics, the 1980 Olympics in Seoul, Korea, wow. which never happened. They were boycotted, but the, the department stayed on and I hence became an event, an event expert for live events that we took cli NBC clients that bought advertising time to all the sporting events. And we did parties and all kinds of things for them on site. You know, it was all over the world, Olympics, Wimbledon's, French Opens, everything. So that's how I got started. <laughs> wow. So were you producing events on site of the tournament or how did that work? So how that worked is we get to, I guess I'll use um, Wimbledon as an example. I was on the tennis tour, NBC, we did the French Open, we did Wimbledon the years I was there. And we would invite clients who bought advertising time to um, come to the event and we they'd be our guests. So we'd fly them over to London, we put them up in a hotel and I was responsible, we'd book the air, we'd book the hotel, they'd come and they, it was two weeks of Wimbledon. So each week we'd switch clients and they come out to tennis every day. And we had a tent at the Old England Club where it was called the hospitality tent. So it was like a luncheon every day. And then they go out and watch tennis and come back. And then we take them to the theater at night or dinner. And um, it was that was the network's form of client hospitality. And so it was like it was an event every day. And in that hospitality tent, we had celebrities that were there that they could meet and talk to. And some of the tennis players came in. So it was a very um, prestigious invite for a client to be offered. And that's, you know, I did that for all the sporting events that NBC did. Wow. Years. <laughs> that included the Super Bowl as well. Lots right? of Super Bowls, lots of just a quick, very quickly. It was the world series. It was Super Bowls, it was the NBA games, it was um, games in Helsinki, it was all this, it was the Olympics, a few Olympics I did while I was at the network, Seoul and Barcelona. Um, what else did we do? It, yeah, so it was a, at any sporting event where it was live. Oh, I did the golf tour. So I traveled around the United States hosting the golf tour and meaning we'd have clients fly in We'd have a tent on like the 17th green. We'd serve them lunch. We'd have the 
game being broadcast on the television and they'd go out and follow the golfers and come back and have lunch. And it was all, wow. it was all based around, it was, it was true business because these clients bought advertising time. So when we would be sitting at those events, sometimes we'd go into overtime and the show would be on the air longer than what they, you know, so they got to buy more advertising time. And they, you know, we were able to make more money from them because they were sitting there and some of them would sign deals with us right there and say, okay, keep going. You know, you could, you could show the other four commercials that you have queued up because we went into overtime. So it was more of a business that I was in, not a social luxury hospital, you know, not weddings, bar mitzvahs or whatever. It was really hardcore business. And that's how I started out doing that. And there was always a bottom line. There was always a budget um, and the ramifications of making mistakes because everything was live was very high. And, you know, once we were always on a clock, so once the show was over, our parties would start. We'd have pre-parties before, entertain before the event would start. So you very, mm-hmm. you had to be quick on your feet. And wow. yeah, so it was an interesting way to start my career. Well, that's, I was in that, that area for like 16 years. So I can't say it started there, but so that's how I. These yeah, clients, uh, sponsors of the tournament, like. At the U.S. Open, for example, um, the the yes. spon- the big sponsors they have that have the tents there. Basically- yes, that's exactly who oh, these wow. people that's were. Like for um, our baseball World Series at the time, Anheuser-Busch was a huge sponsor, so we only could serve their beers. Um, they were sponsors for the Super Bowl. Um, for, a lot of times... I got into the brand, I got, we started getting into branded marketing. So when I was at, in Europe with doing French Open and Wimbledon during the summer, if we had the Olympics coming up, we would be advertising the Olympics and branding the Olympics at these other events. So there, it started to morph into a bigger and more wow. detailed business as the events world got more developed. When we started it, we were three women at NBC who there was no footprint. We we made this whole thing happen. And as we made the rules up. And then it was amazing because we kept making up things. How could we use the events to do things better? How could, you know, and it, it they generated goodwill, but they also were an advertisement for the other shows that we were doing. Even the network shows like Seinfeld, the Cosby show and all of that, we, we, we were a catalyst to getting clients to buy time for that too, while they were at the sporting events. Yeah. Wow. Yes. And then and then, and then you I went, went to ESPN, ESPN after that. I was at NBC forever, and I had a boss that was probably not going to leave where he was, so I'd be, you know, in that role forever. And ESPN, they came to me, and they were doing the first ESPYS, the ESPY Awards. They were called the American Sports Awards, and they they asked me, they said, would you, could you, would you want to do this? Would you want to come on to, and we need, we need to develop our department. The president of ESPN was, had been to so many of my events through the years and with, with a little arm twisting, because NBC was my home, I went over to ESPN. And with that, 
I started the X game franchise and then I, I started the ESPYs. I did all, you know, I developed them and started it with the team of production people. And, you know, I was the event side of it. There are many people doing other parts of it. And then we also introduced the X games. I don't know if you've watched those. Yes. The ESPN X games. So I was on the, the snowboarding front, front, front lines of that and did, did the first four. And um, that was exciting because it was so new and extreme that we didn't know what people were going to think of them. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was an exciting part of my life too, doing that. And I, yes. So, no, I didn't come up sorry, with you, it. Sorry, you just came up with the, the idea to do there was a producer that. That came up with like they called me to work on the ESPYS. That's how uh, they got me over to ESPN. But then while I was, when I was hired and running the, their event department, mm-hmm. a producer came up with this idea. I don't know who it was, one of the guys in sports to do the X Games. And I remember doing a press conference to introduce them. And we were going to Rhode Island, Newport, Rhode Island with them. Mm-hmm. And they, when they saw the athletes and when they fully understood what they were, they didn't want to do it and they were going to pull out. And we had already, like, we were so well into the development that, they couldn't, and they ended up loving us. They had us for two seasons up there. But the athletes, well, you, I don't know if you follow it well. They they're not the most polished. Um, you know, they're they're just they're rough and tumble. And <laughs> but then again, it turned out to be a great franchise, and they still do it. And now they move. I think it's in it's in, we moved mm-hmm. to Aspen at one point. I think they're more in Colorado now. But um, yeah, so. That was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. That's great. And what do you? What would you say the uh, top skills you well, learned I can tell from you uh, what, all of these experiences? One is socialization are. and communication. I learned to communicate with just about every type of person, from the janitor to the CEO to it didn't matter. You had to treat people with respect and um, be patient. And I also learned um, time management, how to use your time and use it well and concisely and not waste time. Um, And then working on strict deadlines um, and budgeting, being very aware of the money and the budget and what you're spending and um, patience and what else? I wrote this. And oh, and attention to detail. You can't you can't do this work unless you pay attention to everything that's going on. Yeah, they're uh, you know they're human. They, to this day, skills. they follow yeah. me around. Like I am never I not I'm never late and annoys people because I w- live on a timeline left over from working for live television and live events. When somebody says it's five o'clock, I'm like, okay, it's five o'clock. <laughs> I'll be there. And and I get I used to get annoyed, like, how do you not be on time? Because to me, I'd hear time and be like, okay, I'm there. <laughs> yeah, you were all, you're very prompt for this. That was great. So um, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, and I think that's there's skills that have helped me through my entire life. So I'm glad I have them have them so now i understand that you do more private events uh, as opposed to network events how do you say that compares 
to uh, well, what you did in um, the past. I have to with say, what you doing earlier, having the skills and learning from um, and starting out in the networks really helped me to do the private events. They are different. You're working with people. Sometimes you're working with. I was working with business people, and now you're working with um, some housewives, some fathers, some kids that sometimes are planning their own parties. Um, it's a very different way. You have to be gentle. It's not hardcore business. You have to have a soft side to you, a patient side. You have to be able to listen and be flexible. And um, you have to not, I in the beginning when I started doing personal events, it was hard for me because I was so used to just having a timeline and a budget and a and and an event profile and all and it doesn't work that way when you're doing private events. People go at their own pace, especially some of my clients are very like your mom's clients. They're wealthy people and they don't really want to care your rules. They'll do what they want to do. They'll do it when they want to do it. They'll pay their bills when they want to, you know. So it was like, okay, and I relaxed a bit. But the skills from starting out in heavy product, you know, within those big companies made me who I am today. I, I, I wouldn't have been able to start a business if I didn't. It was like going to grad school. That's what NBC was. NBC and ESPN were grad school. Mm -hmm. That's a great analogy to think of. Yeah, you don't. You I wouldn't would be uh, lost. I never do would have been able to order, do it. Probably. I wouldn't have understood. Um, it, it just, I had so much knowledge built into my head that I could be, you, you know, stretched and tested and by anybody because. And usually, when I was working with the private events, bar mitzvahs, the weddings, or whatever. I'd start working with the dads because the mothers couldn't really take me. I'd, you know, I'd have a spreadsheet and budgets and they'd be like, they'd be so annoyed. The husbands would see it and they'd call me from their office and say, okay, I can't tell you how many events ended up where the bottom, I ended up working with the dads or the fathers from their office to finish it because they wanted control of what was being spent and they wanted to understand what was going on. And I was very concise, sent them over the stuff and I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> so yeah. the, the moms ended up liking me, but I, I, when I needed an answer, sometimes they were scared. They didn't know what they should tell me. It's so that was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, it's it's hard to navigate the rigidness yeah, of the business side. Tell versus, you, uh, an event you could do be it by unbelievably yourself, wonderful people. and great, either, whether it be private or corporate, whatever. But if the bottom line is you spent too much money, no one's going to like that event. The next day, everyone's going to be upset. And they're not going to think very much of you. Even though it was a good event, they say, well, mm -hmm. she spent too much money. Oh, my God. Never use her again. <laughs> <laughs> and for anyone that is interested or just starting in starting out in the event planning or in entertainment industries what advice would you give them to succeed today what with all of your knowledge you share go, with us today when you graduate from college um get your first job at a company network agency 
not a small company, maybe medium-sized or large, and work with as many people as you can and try to either move around the company or test different areas and learn everything about corporate life, like just formalities of doing business, budgeting, um, personalities, working in teams. Um, that's my advice. And I always gave it to my interns too. You can't just start working and go to a one person office. You won't get a full scope of life and what's going on. You need to, you kind of be, have to be kicked around a little. And then once you kind of figure out your expertise, where you want to be, then you can maybe, yeah, maybe you will want to start your own company or go to a smaller shop and work that way. But the big picture, you know, the big companies, the best places to go. That's yeah. I mean, I would tell that to anyone. I think that's great to know. And finally, uh, I understand that we share a, a deep passion for dogs. And I tell me about well, the work that you do with dogs in particular. Best friends, animals. Well, I was, I did um, work on the ASPCA, um, their fundraiser that was at the plaza. That was one of their, they do them a lot, but two, I think in 2016, and I got this thing inside me that, oh my God, I need to give back. And where I'm going to give back is I want to work with dogs. I want to work with animals, especially dogs. So I went to Best Friends Animal Society, which was opening their um, adoptive center downtown, downtown on West Broadway. And I started walking dogs, um, I, I giving them medicine, hanging out with them, getting doing adoptions. And it was it was just very fulfilling and great. And I ended up, finally, my building allowed animals. So I did adopt a dog from Best Friends, but sadly, Frankie was sick. So she kind of didn't last that long, but now I have a new dog. Um, and, I, it, and I also do fundraising for them. So of course, that wasn't just enough for me to walk the dogs and hang out. I did TV, I do TV with them. Sometimes I go on like the Today Show and whatever, and we have adoptive dogs. and. A lot of NBC shows I'll go on and I bring them on and they usually get adopted pretty quickly. And um, I do I do a lot of fundraising events with best friends where we bring in high level donors and um, we do dinners and we talk about the goals. Best friend has this goal. Best friend has this goal for 2025 to have the whole country go no kill. And they're about 70 percent, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, so that's the campaign I'm working on with them now. That's great. So it's that's been very well being a dog. It's been very fulfilling to see these dogs get adopted and live a great life. I, they have a wonderful sanctuary in Utah. See, so you got me started now. They got a sanctuary in Utah that's unbelievable. That I've been to a few times. It's probably one of the most worthwhile things I've done aside from my career. But yeah, it's. It's been amazing. I'm still doing it. So, And as always, thank you for watching Harry's Take. What's your take?